Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Top Stories, it's producer Chris. As I say this now, I'm in England and it's raining. It's the summer. It's been raining for ages and it may never stop. So let's focus on Bugle 63. Foreign snow is invading Britain. Top Story this week, Attack of the Snow. Record snowfalls have reduced Britain to a gibbering, shivering, collapsed wreck this week. Roads have gridlocked, schools have closed, public transport has shut down, and in response, the British people have snapped into action by doing what they do best, complaining, whining, moaning, and even breaking out some emergency grumbles. It truly is Britain in her element. That's right, and scenes reminiscent of the worst excesses of the Luftwaffe. Snow has fallen across the God-given land of Britain bringing the nation to a catatonic standstill. Actually, with hindsight, John, if the Germans had dropped small crystals of ice from their Junkers and Messerschmitts, we would probably have caved in. Bombs we can deal with, snow, 
is too much of a logistical problem for this country. And, you know, the rest of the world may mock at what this snowfall has done to Britain, John. But do you know how much snow fell here in London? Uh, not much. About four inches, John. Possibly six. Now, I bet you Americans, like yourself, John, you've never even seen six inches of snow in your entire lives what? put together. It's impossible to do anything with six inches of snow. Mere survival is the best anyone could hope for. And I would say, if any Bugle listener anywhere in the world has ever seen more than six inches of snow, I'd like to talk to them, and I will tell them that they're a liar. It's not possible to suffer that level of snowfall <laughs> and have the personal infrastructure to keep your central nervous system and vital organs working, unless you're British. And that's what we've done this week, John. We've kept going. I think you're right, though. Britain is an international laughingstock, Andy. <laughs> Norway can't look us in the face. It's just not that much snow. <laughs> I mean, three inches shut down the tube in London. It's basically a Siberian summer. As a friend of mine here said... Three inches of snow, I could shit three inches of snow. <laughs> I have no reason to doubt her. She looked like she meant it. And I wasn't going to challenge her for fear of her proving it. In fact, the studio that Andy's in right now is like a winter wonderland in London. The white witch is zooming around on a sled. A fawn man is operating the sound booth. And Andy's inside a snowdrift with a carrot for a makeshift nose. <laughs> if a little boy in blue striped pyjamas will only come out to play with him, he'll animate himself, fly them on an adventure as the boy sings angelically before melting and breaking the boy's heart. <laughs> so it's been a tough week for the, for the British, or specifically in this case the English, uh, the Scots, uh, Welsh, Geordies and other parts of the nation. They seem hardier than us uh, delicate Anglo-Saxons, John. When the weather gets a bit parky, they generally take it as an opportunity to take their pyjamas off, paint their nuts blue and stand on the border challenging England to a fight. <laughs> but we have a problem with wintry weather, which comes down essentially to the fact that we assume that without reservation it will never happen and therefore taking basic preemptive precautions would be both a waste of time and deeply unpatriotic. Because answer me this, John. Did Henry V have gritter lorries with him in case Agincourt froze over? No, he didn't. Did Elizabeth I kit her ships out with ice chains in case the Armada arrived on a frosty morning and they couldn't get them out of the garage? No, she did not. And did the Duke of Wellington have a fleet of snowploughs up his sleeve in case the Rose to Waterloo got covered in snow? He did not. Although, to be fair, he did invent the Wellington boot to wear in case it melted and the battlefield got sludgy. But that's beside the point. He wore quality socks. He didn't want them ruined. Fair enough. They all relied on a far more effective defence against slightly adverse weather condition, John. Britishness. That is the most effective... And well, that's how we've responded this time, by either Britishly saying, well, we've all done jolly well not to freeze to death, or by even more Britishly saying, this country has gone to the dogs. And what's more, it's put all its money on the greyhound in trap six, and that dog has now careered off the track into the stands, <laughs> is barking at an old man and trying to hump a hot dog van. The upshot being, we're embarrassed and out of pocket. How is it, Andy, that a Western country basically shuts down after a bit of snow? How is it that a country in the G8 can be brought to its knees by a relatively minor weather front? <laughs> Just put that into context, John. Uh, the whole nation basically took a couple of days off work, and 36 hours after the unprecedented icy deluge fell, by which I mean the heaviest snowfall for 18 years uh, in London, uh, pro it prompted old people to reminisce on when they were young and all they could see was icebergs. 36 hours after this snow had fallen, I tried to get an overland train into London. No dice, John. All trains were cancelled due to staff having a snowman competition or the train driver getting distracted by a sweet winter scene of a child in a woolly hat poking a stick into a snow-covered bin. Or uh, no-one really giving a shit, that was another reason, uh, or something about human rights. Or a total, long-standing, institutional refusal to legislate for unusual but foreseeable weather conditions. That, we just can't deal with this kind of thing, John. Well, because now the new problem is that apparently Britain is running out of salt to grit roads with, turning some roads into, and I quote, icy death traps. But salt shortages? Really? 
This is not how I thought we'd go out, Andy. <laughs> what has happened to our once great Britain? We repelled the Nazis. We kicked the Romans out after they got bored. How on earth are we being taken down by salt shortages and the concept of chilliness? <laughs> We've gone soft. We, we could be invaded at any point now and we just roll over. Any army with a half-decent snow machine could conquer us in a couple of days. Particularly this, this salt shortage is a bit of an embarrassment given that we are surrounded by the sea. But I guess you could argue that Britain was attacked by snow and we should have mobilised the army to take on these delicate, flaky bastards before they hit the ground. At the very least now, we should be allowed to retaliate. We should find out where these weather fronts have come from and we should strike back. So I did that, Andy, and apparently it's because there's a warm front from France coming up, which is hitting a cold front coming in from the north. Ah. It's Iceland and it's France working together in a pincer movement, Andy. We must defend ourselves. Oh, it's like 1066 all over again. The Vikings up north, we saw them off, and we head down south, take on the French. We've had a few injuries and deaths in the first match, and then we just can't, we can't keep them out. So uh, there have been complaints, John, about the weather costing the economy potentially millions of pounds, to which people have responded by throwing a snowball at the nearest business, while shouting, the economy, the economy has been costing the economy millions of pounds recently, it's time it went and itself, before building a snow effigy of the Bank of England and urinating on it. American economy update now, and Andy, let's focus on the positives first. America still technically has an economy, so that's something, (laughs) and it should be grateful for that. Some countries would love to have an economy like America's, even in its current state. And if America doesn't start being grateful, we'll pack that economy up and we'll send it to Zimbabwe to play with. (laughs) Even though America's economy does seem like it's about to try and book an appointment with a Swiss doctor to put it out of its misery... (laughs) Obama still somehow has kept his near 70% approval rating. And to put that in perspective, in Bush approval terms, that's around three presidencies. Basically, he is rubbing his economic defibrillator pads together, shouting, clear, giving the economy a blast, stepping back, looking desperately for signs of life, cranking it up again, giving it another go, shouting, stay with me, stay with me, whilst (laughs) already wondering how he's going to break the news to the economy's family. That's it, he's got a bead of sweat running down his forehead as he screams, don't you die on me! (laughs) But the problem is no one knows. It's all very well having these stimulus packages, John, but no one knows if they're going to work. And that's because no one knows anything about economics. All we know about economics now is that as a species, the human race knows so little about economics that we are basically like the world's first medical researchers trudging around the world in prehistoric times, eating herbs and berries and asking, does this cure rheumatism? It doesn't. It's poisonous. How poisonous? Deadly poisonous. Right, that's another one on the no list. Let's try this one. And that is basically how economics is working at the moment. Uh, this has been over-described in the worldwide media as uh, us nearing the end of our honeymoon period with Obama. And I guess there may well be an element of truth to that, so let's enjoy this feeling of a honeymoon while it lasts. Because before you know it, reality will set in, the romance will be all but gone, and we'll be taking a dump in front of each other. <laughs> Also, you know, this honeymoon is extra special. How many, how many honeymoons have you been on, John? <laughs> I'll just, that is just what I'm planning. That's, <laughs> that's, that's basically calling time on it. It's like the hooter at the end of a rugby league match. <laughs> also, this honeymoon is extra special and indeed important as America is desperately trying to forget its ex-husband. And anyway, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with honeymoons, Andy. Honeymoons are great. People like them. And there's no better time to have one than when you actually still like each other. <laughs> no one wants to go to the Virgin Islands with someone they can't stand to look at anymore. And I'm thinking primarily of the ill judged honeymoon between America and President Van Buren in late 1841. <laughs> that was tense silences, accusatory looks, too many pila coladas and one ill judged speedo. The writing was on the wall. Besides... <laughs> 
it's important for America to enjoy this honeymoon period. They've just got out of a terrible relationship. They've met someone who, who seems to genuinely want to help them regain their self-esteem. And no, this honeymoon won't last forever. Andy, eventually Obama will start to annoy them. You know, maybe he'll cut his toenails in the White House kitchen or continue to support CIA rendition to illegal black sites around the world. <laughs> And it's not like the statistics are in their favour anyway. Look, to history, almost two-thirds of presidencies end with a first term. <laughs> but for now, let's forget all that. Let's not begrudge them letting Obama carry them over the threshold and dry-humping them for a bit. <laughs> I believe he promised to do at the convention in Denver. <laughs> I think this, this podcast has definitely got bluer in the last few months. Thanks for listening. Now give me 50 burpees, you maggots. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.